You're listening to Let's go. the Second Opinion Podcast. Second Opinion on what? I think we should get a second opinion. Where all things gaming are on our mind all the time. That's all I can think about. Just like the name says, we might have some different opinions. So get yelling, laughing, crying, and of course some very opinionated gamers. Here are your hosts, Celeb, Bolt, and TJ. <sighs> it's going to be a little weird doing all this stuff by myself, but what's up, guys? It is Celeb back again for another episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, episode number 305. Now, this is going to be somewhat of a shorter episode. It's just a solo cast today, but I kind of want to talk about some stuff that Bolts hasn't really had a chance to play as of yet, um, but with that said... We usually start the show out, me and Bolts are having our little conversation and stuff, and we lead into video games coming soon, or or not video games coming soon. Now I'm going back, way, way back to the earlier episodes, but we usually talk about, you know, how things have been and uh, what we've been gaming. Um, the episode that just posted recently was 304. I do want to give a big shout out to um, everybody that tuned into that episode. Um, we're trying to be more consistent, have more episodes for you guys uh, out and about. Um, so with this episode, we're going to first talk about the update that came to Ghost of Tsushima, which is Ghost of Tsushima Legends, and that update is uh, 1.1. Um, and then we're going to kind of go into a little bit of talk about Call of Duty, and then I'm also going to talk about uh, Crash Bandicoot. So um, it's really crazy how this week has gone. Uh, it's actually gone pretty good so far. Um, things have been working out really well, and <laughs> I know I'm going to sound like a really bad dad saying this, but like, I, oh God, this sounds so horrible, but like, as some of you may know, um, it is really tough being a parent. It really is. And, uh... It's crazy that um, it, it's honestly crazy that me and Dara have two kids now, to be honest with you. So um, it, it, it gets really, really hard to have time alone or to relax or whatever else because like we're constantly going. So if we're not at work, we're at home pretty much working with the kids. So <clears throat> with that said, we... The last two days uh, have been a little bit more relaxing. Um, and I say that because um, the grandparents have been watching the kids the last couple of days. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it's been pretty nice. So uh, the house has been really quiet, but I do very much miss my kids. Um, so uh, a lot. And, uh, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Like the house has really, really been quiet today. I got home about four ish and for the past four hours, um, it's been really, uh, uh, it's been really weird to be honest with you, but, uh, everyone needs that time. Everyone needs some alone time and relaxing time, especially when, when you work full time and you have kids, <clears throat> it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with, but 
Um, so first up, we're going to talk about Crash Bandicoot for It's About Time. I said we were going to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, but I want to talk about this because I'm going to have on episode 306, I'm going to have my full review, but this is kind of more or less my impressions. I want to give a big shout out to uh, my friends at Activision for actually providing me a code to check out the game and share my opinions. Um, and I'm really, really digging the game. Uh, first off, visually, this game is stunning i mean it looks great it runs uh on on my tv i don't know if this is a native aspect but it, it runs pretty close to 60 frames per second the visuals look unbelievable um in and i'm not gonna lie when the game was first announced and i saw the different look to crash i was kind of like ah, they changed his look what are they doing? <laughs> because Crash is Crash, you know? Like, of course, you look at this character and you automatically know that it's Crash Bandicoot, but, like, those little subtle things, I was kind of like, what? why did they change him? Why didn't they just keep him the same way? But, you know, this is more or less, even though this is the fourth installment, you know, quote-unquote fourth installment, um, the continuation of the series, this is almost a relaunch <clears throat> of Crash. And... Um, I'm excited to say that this game is freaking awesome, dude. Like, it is really, really fun. Um, and, you know, the game is called Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. It's a full-on continuation of the series, and it looks so, so good, man. Like, there's so much to do. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, there's new characters, there's skins, there's easy traversal of like switching back and forth as well. Uh, I know that's a weird way of saying it, but like it's very easy to switch with with your characters and also the two player mode or co-op mode in there as well. Uh, it's not particularly a co-op mode, but it's like a pass and play mode, um, which is really cool. Um, me and my wife have been uh, taking that, um, uh, really taking advantage of that now. At this point in time, I've only played a little bit of the game, so I don't know if there is a full co-op mode in the game, um, but I do know there are new characters to play as. Um, I'm very early in the game, and there's different dimensions that you can travel to. Um, but the one of the coolest things is that it, it still feels like classic Crash. But the great thing about it is that it also feels like... It also feels like such a new game. Like, it, it feels like a, a soft reboot um, and an introduction of Crash to a lot of people that have not played uh, Crash before. Um, or it, it's, a, it's a love letter to fans that have always played Crash. Um, this game is still very much the original Dark Souls. I said that on the previous, uh, previous episode. Uh, it is very, very uh, hard at times. Um, and it, it can get irritating. I will state that. Um, the reason why I say that is that there is a, uh, a good chunk of different traversal. I could say that word now and it not, you know, sound weird. Um, but, uh, it, it goes back and forth constantly. And, um, if you are not particularly used to that style of gameplay of it going from like this classic looking like run and smash and you know grab type of gameplay it will be a little tough to kind of get used to 
Um, but I I cannot say it enough how visually stunning this game is. Like it's almost honestly like a uh, it's like a Disney Pixar film playing out right in front of my eyes while I'm I'm playing the game. I did say this with Crash Insane Trilogy, which um, I thought was great. Um, and if I can remember correctly, I gave it a 5 out of 5. Uh, it was one of my favorite games of last year. And big shout-outs to Beanox for doing such an amazing job with it. Helping with this game as well. Um, I think Beanox definitely had their hands in it, but I think the main amount of development was done by Toys for Bob. Uh, and which, you know, that's the this Crash is their baby. But... The game, it, it, it's weird almost how good the game looks. And there's new masks that come with new abilities that you can try out. And like, you know, with, there's one mask that gives you the ability of like, you know, changing uh, like d dimensions to where you have different things that are available. There's another one that gives you like gravity aspects. Another one gives you different speed. Um, and it's just really cool, man. Like... Uh, honestly, I feel like this is the perfect way of relaunching Crash Bandicoot, um, because it, it adds such simple changes to the game, uh, at the same time of it adding those simple changes, they all feel so new and so fresh, and it's like literally the most simplest change. It's something that we have seen in games before or like you know games that are coming out soon that are possibly going to have this type of stuff like for instance ratchet and clank uh the new ratchet and clank is going to have these you know different types of like uh shreds in the universe that you can travel through and all this stuff but you know this is more or less kind of getting us ready for it and if anything i feel like this game was almost like dually dually developed for not just ps4 but ps5 <clears throat> and uh, I, I know it's going to look amazing on there. I hope that it has an easy transfer aspect as well of being able to just, like, if I want to play it on PS5, since I have it on PS4, I can just download it on PS5. Um, that's one little weird kind of thing right now with PlayStation. It's not as simple as it is with Xbox to where you can just, you know, hey, I got the game, I can just play it. Um, PlayStation is giving that... Uh, option to the developers um, and I guess I can understand that but at the same time I don't like if you've already if you already own the game and there's no no reason or like you know real weird reason why you can you cannot just download the game if you've already bought it on PlayStation you should be able to just be able to download it no questions asked because I have a ton of games in my digital library and I really hope that there is no loops that I have to go through or hoops or whatever, however you want to say it, that um, hoops that I have to go through to just get this done. Because as I said, a couple of years ago, I got to the point of just not really wanting physical copies of games. So I just bought everything digitally. Um, and at one point in time, there was no tax on digital games in the state of Texas. So it was obviously the smarter choice to to buy the games digitally. Now there is a tax in the state of Texas, so um, it doesn't really matter. It's like if I get it digitally or physically, it's all up to me. Um, most of the times, the only time I usually get physical copies of games is when I'm getting a collector's edition. So anyways, with that said, 
Um, you know, Crash is just a fantastic game. <coughs> Excuse me. It's very fun. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. I haven't really done a deep dive into the game. Me and Dara have kind of been sharing the experience back and forth. Like I'll play whenever I die, she plays, um, with the whole, you know, pass and play aspect, but it is, um, it's almost weird that these games are coming back and doing as well as they're doing. Uh, now this isn't a this isn't just some like you know remaster. It's a full relaunch of the series, and I have to say, it's one of the best games I've played this year. It's very tough, but it is definitely one of the best games that I've played this year. And I'll be sharing more of my thoughts on that in just the next uh, couple of weeks. A uh, couple of weeks in the next couple of days. Um, but anyways, moving on from that, we're going to talk about Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So Black Ops Cold War, the beta, um, has been around for some time for PlayStation now. Um, we actually got the first week's beta, which was, um, I think it was October 7th through October 9th or something like that on PlayStation. Um, but with this new beta, uh, which is a cross-platform play beta, uh, which lets PC, Xbox, and PlayStation players all play together, um, there's been a lot of really cool things. First off, I got to say, I've never really cared about the field of view when it comes down to uh, video games. Um, but I have definitely changed my mind now because I know this is something that has been around on PC for some time, but in this beta update, you are actually able to go to the, uh, go to the display options and change the field of view from like originally, I think it's 120 and I changed mine to 80. Um, and, or I think I changed it to the lowest available. Um, 60, I think. Um, and let me read over this real quick. Players can change the default field of view from 60 to a larger value uh, to see more on screen. So maybe it's it's opposite. I changed it to 120, I think. Um, I, I don't really know, but I scaled it to where I can see so much more and the game plays so much faster. It's ridiculous. Um, it really does change the way that you play the game if you go into that display setting and change the field of view. And I hope this is something that they do on a lot of other first-person shooters on console because this is something that is available um, on PC. I possibly think this is something that they actually did on Doom Eternal. Um, I, I can't remember, but Doom Eternal was just a fast-paced game from the get-go. You know, it was one of those games that as you played it, there was never a time your heart was not beating nonstop. Um, but with that said, we did share our early impressions on the uh, first part of the beta, which was like, you know, the first week and then kind of the 15th and 16th. Um, now on that beta, which was uh, had it was access for all PS4 users, early access for PC and Xbox digital pre-orders. A uh, level cap at that time was a total of 31. 
Um, now to with that, there was a total of like the maps available were Miami, Satellite, Crossroads, Moscow, uh, Armada, and uh, Cartel. Um, and probably my favorite maps um, out of those has to be, I would probably say Moscow and Satellite. Crossroads is cool and Cartel is cool, but the problem I have with Cartel is the bushes. <laughs> like there's, there's bushes and I think there's like marijuana plants growing and all this other stuff. And it's, oh my God, dude, it's so ridiculous how many people in the cartel map, especially whenever you're playing like combined arms or domination or something like that, someone will just lay down and, uh, lay down and, you know, get a UAV and they'll lay down on that and they'll do like quick scoping and all this. Like, I don't have a big problem with quick scoping, but I do have an issue with, I, I've always had an issue on Call of Duty when people just like sit there and spawn kill. They'll wait in certain areas for, for certain players or they'll wait behind a crate and just sit there the whole match and just shoot you. It, 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 it drives me nuts. It really drives me nuts. But anyways, with those modes, um, there was originally team deathmatch, kill confirmed, domination, combined arm domination, assault, and VIP escort. Now... Team Deathmatch, of course, is always fun. Kill Confirmed, I'm really starting to get better at. Domination is fantastic. Even on, you know, previous Call of Duties, Call of Duty Mobile, me and Dara ran Domination all the time. Combined Arms Domination is great because in Combined Arms, it's more or less like a battlefield mode in, in Modern Warfare. So you can drive around on motorcycles, on jet skis, um, you can fly helicopters, you can, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And it really adds to that whole war aspect. It's really, really cool to see someone come riding in on a mo like motorcycle and, and pull their gun out. Um, or like in, um, in, uh, oh my God, um, Armored, uh, which is the C map is such a good map, especially when you play it on combined arms domination. It's really, really fun because it's like a bunch of ships that are connected via cables and you can like zip line across or you can jump in a jet ski and like, you know, really quickly get across to the other side of the map. Or probably one of my favorite modes is like jumping out off the side of a ship and actually being able to swim under the ships that people are on top of to the other side of the ship and go to those certain uh, domination areas. Um, uh, it's such a cool aspect and I don't really remember being able to have the ability of like really shooting and doing pretty much whatever you want to underwater, but you can do that in black ops cold war now. And I find it so satisfying when, when I'm on a jet ski and I'm going around all these ships, I got people shooting at me. I jump off the jet ski go under a boat to the other side. And like while I'm under recently in a match, I was going under the boat and someone was actually following me and I turn around and I see him. At first, I thought it was just one of the animated sharks that was like floating out around in the bottom of the ocean. But I realized it was a person. I was able to shoot him, come up, switch to my um, rocket launcher, lock onto an enemy ship that had a turret on it, and then blow them up because their health was already really low. So the fact that I was able to do all that from like underwater was really, really cool. 
And as I said, I got the Villa View scaler changed so I could see so much more. The gameplay runs so much smoother and so much faster in that in that perspective. Um, one mode that I have to say I'm not the biggest fan of is VIP Escort. I played it once. Um, I, maybe I just need to give it another chance and play it again. The beta did get extended until the 20th. Um, maybe I just need to relax and be like, this is, you know, so new. One thing I don't like about it is the wait time for respawning. So you literally, like, if you get killed, you have to wait out the rest of the match until your team either, you know, escorts the VIP or gets the other team's cash, I think. I need to jump back into that mode and play it a little bit more before I really share my thoughts on it. Um, the the As I said, the beta has been extended to the 20th, so maybe tonight I'll go in there and I'll play a little bit more. Um, now, this is one thing that's, that's pretty awesome, is that they're slowly but surely updating it each day. And with this new 17th through the 20th beta, Saturday through Monday, open to all players available. Um, they have all these maps on there. They have Alpine, um, which is really fun. Um, and then they also have um, a new mode that is in there as of today. And I need to go and play it. And it's Control. So I'm going to check that out. But one other mode that they added in is Fireteam Dirt Bomb. So Fireteam Dirt Bomb... It's almost like plunder from Warzone. Uh, you launch in with a team of four, uh, launch into a l somewhat large, like semi-large scale map, um, and whenever you get in, you go around the areas and you collect as much uranium as you can. Um, now you can find dual packs that will let you, instead of carrying five uranium at a time, let you carry 10 uranium at a time. Um, and then same exact thing with armor packs. You have to pick those up and you can carry, you know, up to 10 armor at a time. Um, but cool. Uh, one cool thing that I noticed is that when you find these boxes or crates throughout the map, not only do they have more uranium, but they also have like kill streaks um, or they'll have um, artillery drops or, you know, you can call in a chopper gunner. Uh, the chopper gunner was probably one of my favorite things. And that's something that they're also introducing to zombies this year. It's the first time they've ever done something like that. But as you play the game, if you do get a chopper gunner, you actually take um, the point of view of the gunner in that helicopter and you're able to just pretty much lay waste to everybody. So it's really, really cool. Um, but you also have the ability in those maps to, at, at certain points in times, like Alpine, um, whenever I was playing that, I was actually able to get into a, a, a you know, um, a, a chopper with someone else and shoot rockets down on them while I had someone else in the front gunner shooting down and killing people, laying waste. It was really cool. Um, I will say this, though. Plunder, Plunder is played in the full Warzone map. So... I feel like in Plunder, I'm given a little bit more room to do what I usually do. And as my friend Jesus said, I am a pacifist when it comes down to playing Call of Duty. I'm a very passive player. I'm the type of person that like, I don't, I'm not going to drop into, 
like, you know, the TV station on Warzone or the airport. I'm not going to drop in there because I know there's a ton of people in that area of the map. I'm going to drop like literally on the edge of the map and work my way around and just constantly gather cash. So I hope that they have plunder in the new updated version of Warzone whenever Black Ops uh, Cold War launches. Um, I think that they will. I think Warzone is established enough that they're going to keep Warzone as is, or maybe they're going to do a whole Fortnite thing and just change the map. Um, but my thing is, in in, in Fireteam Dirty Bomb, uh, I said Dirt Bomb earlier again. I don't know why I keep saying that. But in Fireteam Dirty Bomb, I don't really have a lot of area to be my type of gamer and kind of like go around and collect stuff while the rest of my team is taking other people on. That's what I usually do in plunder. As my team is like going for, you know, uh, you know, either um, assassinations or whatever they're called uh, hits or they're, you know, doing um, supply drops and all this other stuff. I'm going around the edge of the map and literally hitting every crate. So most of the times by each uh, end of a match of plunder that I'm playing, I usually have opened anywhere between 25 to like 35 or 34 crates. Um, and that's because that's the best way to get cash. So if you go around, you're continuously getting cash. Most of the times, if you at least find like, you know, like every two to three boxes, depending on the area, you're going to find a cash balloon as well. So you can send your cash off and not worry about a lot of people coming up and grabbing you. You have to have at least 150000 to send into a cash balloon. Now you can send, if you only have 40000 you can send it, but it's usually best to build it up to 150000 so you can send it all at once instead of sending 40000 and then finding that extra 110000 You're like, well, shit, I don't have a cash balloon. But... With that said, comparing that mode to Fireteam Dirty Bomb, I like Fireteam Dirty Bomb, but it it's definitely it definitely needs some work. Um, I feel like some of the weapons are still very overpowered. Like the MP5 is to me is really really overpowered. Um, even the automatic shotgun, and I go straight up ham with the automatic shotgun. Um, full on beast mode every time I have a loadout that has, um, I think my AK and then my secondary weapon is my automatic shotgun. And I usually choose that as my secondary weapon because I know for a fact that if someone gets close to me, I could just hit triangle and, you know, hit it a couple of times and they're down. Um, but it is definitely overpowered. Um, another thing too, that I wouldn't say bugs me. But is something that I feel um, I, it is something that I feel when you compare the modes because they are very similar. Um, it, it does get under my skin. And as I said, comparing this to plunder, I feel like I have a better advantage of really doing good in a match in plunder compared to Fire Team Dirty Bomb because. There's some players in this in this mode that are just really, really good. And I'm just more of a moderate player. So on Plunder, I usually get anywhere between fourth and first place every time I play. And that's because I, I play the way that I play. And also, 
if I get a chance to, I usually match up with my friends like, you know, Wesley or Jesus or Travis or Elvin or whatever else. And we all have the understanding that, hey, listen, y'all go do what y'all are going to do. I'm going to go around the edge of the map and just continue to collect cash. So the thing about it on Plunder is that when you collect that amount, you are marked on there. And I hope with Fireteam Dirty Bomb, if that is going to be a mode that they're going to launch into their version of Warzone, if there is a version of Warzone that they specifically work on, um, I hope that they do that. I hope that they, like, if you get up to 10 uranium at a time, you pop up as like a glowing marker, like a nuclear symbol pops up and it's like, hey, they have 10 uranium. Um, I don't know. That's just me. But when you collect your uranium, you go up to the dirty bombs and it automatically starts depositing the uranium into those bombs. So then if you get it to the top and you fill it all the way up, um, then you have the chance to detonate the bomb. You get a good chunk of XP for your team and points for your team. Um, and then the bomb within a certain, like a minute or, you know, 50 seconds or something like that, it blows up. Uh, I think it's actually shorter than that. And anybody in the area will be killed. No questions asked. But my thing is that I feel that it is a very chaotic mode. I feel Plunder is more structured and Fireteam Dirty Bomb is just like, I mean, bro, it's like in your face constantly. And maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they've looked at all these other game modes that are out there in different games and they, they're they trying to make something that is more exciting and just fast-paced and maybe even has a, maybe even has a competitive scene with it. But... I, I, I feel that the maps need to be a little bit larger. I feel that maybe some of the weapons damage needs to be scaled down a little bit for sure. Um, but I will have my full, full impressions of this week's beta um, very soon with my coworker Dustin over from Cinelix.com. We were both provided with early access beta codes for PS4 by Activision, so I will state that. But uh, I do have to give a big shout out to Activision for letting us have the chance of of playing the game. Um, and uh, I, so far, ha have very much liked the normal multiplayer and domination, combined arms. Um, I, I even sometimes like... Fireteam Dirty Bomb, but that just depends on if I get a good team. If I don't get a good team, then I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably not going to have a very good time. So moving on from that, I want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. And after after this, I have uh, two segments to talk about. Um, and one of those segments is some comments that Phil Spencer had made. And another segment is about the PlayStation user interface. So, um, but Ghost of Tsushima 1.1 has officially launched. It is free for all players, and it adds a four-player co-op mode uh, that you can play uh, survival. There's new challenges coming out in the next few weeks, um, and I'm really, really excited to see what is coming with those. Uh, it will be post-launch raids. Um, and you have four unique classes. You have new legendary cosmetics, legends photo mode, which if you want to access a photo mode, you actually have to turn either matchmaking off 
um, completely. I think that's actually the only way to do a photo mode, which didn't make sense to me. Or you have to actually create a party and make the match, um, make make it to where you do your photo mode in the match. So you invite everyone to your party, and then you have to make that match um, accessible for photo mode. I think possibly because whenever you go to the photo mode, it'll pause their games as well, um, which is understandable um, that they would make it like that. But you have custom geared loadouts, time, uh, time played counter. Uh, you also have the new games plus mode, a new horse, mysterious new merchants, and new dies, powerful new charms, new trophies, um, and that's just in the normal version of the game. And then, as I said, you have four-player survival missions, two-player story missions, post-launch raids, four unique classes, new legend cosmetics as well. So I have been playing this uh, since it launched yesterday, and I've got to say, guys, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I've said it on the podcast since the day I first started playing Ghost of Tsushima. This is my game of the year. Um, I know there's a lot of games coming out. I know Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is coming out. You got uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You have, you know, the PlayStation 5 that's going to have Dark Souls and all this other stuff. Uh, The physical year of like 2019, 2020, I've got to say Ghost of Tsushima is no ifs, ands, or buts. Undoubtedly my game of the year. And I've played a lot of games this year. I've played Doom Eternal, which you guys know I'm a huge Bethesda fanboy. And Doom Eternal was definitely my favorite Doom of all time. Um, there's been a lot of other games that I've played and a lot of other games that I've really enjoyed, but nothing like Ghost Toshima. This game is a masterful work of art. Everything about this game from start to finish, to me, bleeds Game of the Year. Um, now, I know some of you are saying, well, what about Cyberpunk? You know, there's, it's going to have so, so much going on with it. What about Assassin's Creed? You know, it's this, you know, fantasy world, you know, however they tweeted it out the other day, like basically your, your, your number one fantasy for, uh, what you wanted, uh, the Vikings to be all about. Cause I don't think it's like, I don't think it's, you know, this is exactly how the Vikings did things, of course, but, um, this is no ifs, ands, or buts about it to me, my game of the year. And the reason why is first, the story mode, the, the story in this game is so good. I mean, it is it is everything I have ever wanted from a samurai-style game. Um, I have wanted an Assassin's Creed game that was set in Feudal Japan for years, and this is literally my alternative to it. Um, uh, it is... It bleeds Hollywood. Let's say that. This bleeds the big screen. That's the best way of saying it. This is a cinematic experience that is like none other. Jen Sakai and everything he goes through throughout his family. Um, and I'm not going to give away a lot of details about the game because I really want you guys to play it. Especially right now. I'm pretty sure you can pick this game up for like $39. On the PlayStation Store, I'm almost certain... That is like 39 bucks, And now they're stating that when you play it on PS5, uh, you can actually play the game in at 60 frames per second. There is a mode where you can do higher resolution or better frame rate on PS4 Pro. But with PS5, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to play it in like 4K at 60 frames. 
And like, why wouldn't you want to do that? So um, if they're continuously supporting Ghost of Shima Legends and these raids are going to be coming out over the next like five to six months, it's going to be something I'm going to download on my PS5 and I'm going to play continuously because this game is unbelievable. And the fact that Sucker Punch didn't charge people for the 1.1 update is such a huge deal. Because it is a, a, a brand new mode that really no one even knew was coming. Like, I finished the game. I platinumed it. And as you guys know, you can look at my trophies. I do have some of my trophies hidden because of some of the reviews and stuff that I do. Um, but I think you should be able to at least look at my platinums. And I only have three. I got three platinums. Two of them are Lego games. <laughs> okay? So, and that was because my wife platinumed them so i'm not a big guy that really cares too much about platinum in games but this game right here is something that i just had to do because i was so engrossed in the experience i was so wrapped into the world and i just didn't want to end it so i did everything that i needed to do, needed to do to finish it and now the fact that there's new trophies and and new cosmetics and a new game plus mode and all this stuff it makes me even more enthralled and and even more just happy with Sucker Punch. I've always been a huge Sucker Punch fan. Um, I love the entire Infamous series. Infamous 1, 2, Second Son, um, I think, what, Infamous Light or Afterlight or whatever it was called. Um, I loved all those games, and I did not really expect Ghost of Tsushima to be such a home run. And that's exactly what it is. This game right here, no questions asked, is my game of the year. And this may come a shocker to some people, but it is my top game on the PS4. I've played The Last of Us. I've played all the Uncharted's. I've played God of War. I've played every PlayStation 4 exclusive that is a major PS4 exclusive. And Ghost of Tsushima is by far the best game that I've ever played on a, on a PS4 that is an exclusive, no questions asked. Um, especially with 1.1 being out now and this new mode of being able to like play with your friends online, invite, invite your friends and go into the ghost mode and like kill all these like corrupt Mongols and, you know, being able to do raids and all this shit. And it was all free. Are you kidding me? Sucker Punch, like, are you, can I just send you another $60? Like, I'm down, bro. Let me send you another $60 because you guys deserve it. Like, this game is such a, a, a breath of fresh air into just the whole games industry. And I'm so glad that I have had the ability of being able to play this game. Um, right before I did the podcast, I met a guy online. His name was FB players or something like that um but him and me actually had the same exact loadout almost we had the same sword same costume and everything but we worked really well together and took on a bronze story i think it was chapter seven uh in the story mode and we worked so well together of like taking down these like ghosts that were in the in the game and like the, i i i hope it's not a spoiler for anybody so if it is and you're trying to like really play the story mode without hearing anything, skip a couple of minutes ahead. 
But in this mode, you actually were able to fight ghosts that were only revealed whenever the lightning struck. And it was so fucking cool, bro. Like there were so many times him and me were actually running through the houses trying to complete the tasks. And we're like, oh, we're in here by ourselves. And then lightning strikes. And there's like two or three people in there with us. We're like, oh, shit. You know, I'm, I don't know who this guy is. We're playing online. We work really well together. We're like down in enemies with arrows on like a count of three, like three, two, one, down in them, moving on to the next ones. It was such a great experience and it was very cinematic. Like he even said, he's like, bro, I feel like we're like watching a movie in front of our eyes. And I'm like, yeah, dude, because you have a narrator that's kind of telling you like anytime you do, you're doing something in the game, it's literally like, he's just telling you a story the whole time. And it's such a cool way, man. Like I got to give a, a round of applause to Insomniac because like, that's such a cool way of doing shit. Like, as you're playing this mode with your friends, there's a fucking narrator that is telling you all this shit to do, or, like, he's telling you, like, adding, you know, lore to the to your experience as you play. I, I don't have enough to say about this game. Let's say that. Especially 1.1. 1.1 update is so cool, man. It's so fucking awesome. And, like, it's only 9 gigabytes um to download like you you download the update and then you click on legends and it takes you to the playstation store you click the little button and then it enables that mode in the game so i'm just shocked dude like i knew i was gonna like it but i don't think i knew i was gonna like it this much so as i said if you want to you can save this little bit and hear me say it right now ghost of shima no questions asked is my game of the year and is my Literally the top best PS4 game on the market. Hands down. It is the best PlayStation 4 game to play. If you have not had a chance to play it, play it. God of War, work of fucking art. The Uncharted series, work of fucking art. Everything else that I've played that is a PlayStation exclusive for the most part, great fucking games. Bloodborne, all this shit, amazing. Ghost Toshima no questions asked is is the the cinematic and story-based game that i have like the best cinematic story-based game that i have played in years and <laughs> i don't even really I, I it's almost unreal that the game is out and available and they've already done such an amazing update to the game to bring me back into the world and just make me think, oh my God, like I'm I'm going to be able to play this game more. So right now, as I said, Ghost of Shima, game of the year, and Ghost of Shima is also the best PlayStation 4 game on the market. No question. So all right, so <clears throat> I shared my thoughts on that. Now, something else that I did want to talk about, and I got a couple of people, um, I got a couple of people on the internet to to comment so I can share their comments. So Phil Spencer in a recent interview had stated um, a comment that makes sense is the best way of saying it. In a recent interview um, with Kotaku, Phil Spencer said, when I think about where people are going to be playing and uh, where people are going to be playing and the number of devices that we had and we have 
xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console bases, I don't have to I don't have to go ship Bethesda games on any other platform other than the platform that we support in order to kind of make the deal work for us. Um, so that's not the full comment that he had actually stated. He did say this. Um, they he he was asked. Is it possible to recoup seven point five uh, a seven point five billion dollar investment if you don't sell Elder Scrolls uh, six or Elder Scrolls five or whatever um, six, of course, um, Elder Scrolls six on the PlayStation? Phil Spencer said yes very quickly. He then paused and says, "I don't want to flip about that." He added. This deal was not done to take games away from other players, uh, other player bases like that. Nowhere in the uh, documentation uh, that we put together was how do we keep other players from playing those games? We want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to play games. But I'll also say in this model, I'm just answering directly the question that you had. When I think about where people are going to be playing and the numbers of devices that we had and xCloud and PC, Game Pass and our console bases, I don't have to go ship those games onto any other platform um, other than the platform that we support. We do know that Microsoft has made a big studio purchase and kept its new franchise multi-platform before. Um, that's, uh, that is of course with Mojang. Um, so it wouldn't be wild to see fallout five on PlayStation five for now. Spencer has said that platforms, um, for future cinematic games will be determined on a case to case basis. So we all know this. Okay. And this is a really, really big deal to some. And also it's kind of like not really a big deal. This is what I have to say about this. And then we'll get into everyone else's comments. <clears throat> I'm a Bethesda fan. I've said it on the podcast a thousand times um, since this announcement was made. Microsoft made a deal and, and bought Bethesda. Bethesda is... Bethesda is no questions asked my favorite video game company. You know, I, I, I know I just gushed all out the wazoo about sucker punch um i've always been a huge fan of sony santa monica bandai namco konami all these other places kojima productions but bethesda has a very near and dear place in my heart um going to QuakeCon for 10 years meeting the bethesda staff all the people at its software machine games um, ever, every studio that Bethesda owns Zenimax, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter the studio. Every time I've gone to QuakeCon, I've been met with such, um, such love and respect and just overall, like they are, they are gamers. Everything about Bethesda is about video games. Um, Pete Hines, Todd Howard, um, you know, even Hugo Martin, Marty Stratton, like they're gamers, bro. And they're so great. I, I can't explain that enough. That's why there's a lot of times that I'm very defensive about Bethesda online because I, I see people 
bash them, bash them because, you know, for instance, uh, like Fallout 4 launches and it's got bugs. Skyrim launches, it's got bugs. You know, Fallout 76 launched the way that did. But in, in, in the full perspective of it, Bethesda games are always fun. No questions asked. Now, I had my problems with Fallout 76. I studied that in my review. It was really hard for me to do that review. Um, I've since then gone back and played 76. It is much improved. And if you get a chance, you should definitely check it out. It's a very fun game to play now. Um, and that was the same exact way with ESO Online. Like, ESO, whenever it first launched, it was rough, man. Um, but... You know, over time, Zenimax was given uh, a lot more time to just expand and just do what they needed to do to make this an experience that gamers would love to play with their friends. And now Elder Scrolls Online is one of the best um, MMOs that you can play. No questions asked, especially on console, dude. Like PC, there's a million MMOs that you can go on and play with your friends or whatever else. But when it comes to consoles, there's really not a lot that you can play. Um... I'm trying to think of some like DC Universe. I think that's still a thing. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I really don't. I don't. I haven't played DC Universe in forever. Maybe it's already shut down. I feel stupid if it is. But Elder Scrolls Online is definitely something that you should check out, as well as Fallout 76. If you're a Fallout fan, you should definitely check it out. Especially now, they've done a lot of updates to the games. A lot of the bugs are gone. There's still work to be done. But it's a constant effort to get it fixed. So, with that said, this leads into what we're talking about now. And I feel that Phil Spencer is a gamer as well. You know, he, of course, wants to do what is best for the brand that he's representing. You know, and he wants to, he wants to have great exclusives on their console. So, if they announce... Elder Scrolls 6 is a Xbox exclusive. Or if they say Elder Scrolls 6 is a timed Xbox exclusive and it will not be coming to PS5 for two years. Or whatever they announce. If that if the words Elder Scrolls exclusive on Xbox pop out of Phil Spencer's mouth or anyone at Bethesda, I mean, it, I've already said it before on the podcast. I'll say it again. Xbox has me... As a player, no questions asked. Um, doing a move like this and buying a studio like this is a mega move. It's a mega move. That's like if right now, if PlayStation announced within the next two months that they're buying EA or they're buying fucking Ubisoft or they're buying Bandai Namco or Konami or whatever, you know, everyone, all these PlayStation fans, and fanboys or whatever else had stated, well, you know, what if PlayStation announced that they're, you know, buying, you know, EA or buying Konami? Cool. Okay. If maybe that's the maybe that's the gaming industry that we're moving into. Maybe we're getting to that point that these companies are really going to start buying mega fucking studios. Like I could totally see Microsoft buying Sega. I've heard people say it before. I've said it before. I could totally see them buying Sega. I could see PlayStation coming out and saying, hey, listen, we're not the same financial company that that Microsoft is, but we're going to have exclusives on our console. So let's buy Konami and make 
um, Silent Hill, Castlevania, Metal Gear Solid, and so on and so forth. You know, Contra, all these games. Let's make them exclusive on PlayStation. I could see that happening if cards are played properly. But I can also see Microsoft coming out and, you know, they already stated that they're, this isn't going to be the last studio they're going to buy. So they're obviously already in talks with other studios about purchasing the IPs and the full studios. So if that situation occurs again, you know, what's the, what's the reason for not having an Xbox? You know what I'm saying? Or what's the reason for not having Game Pass? Because Phil has stated before and Xbox has stated before that what they want with Game Pass is that they want to give you the choice. You can either play Xbox exclusive games through Game Pass or through xCloud on, you know, in the long run on your your mobile phone and your TV, you know, whatever. Or you can go out and buy a premium console like the Xbox Series X that is going to run, you know, 4K, 120 frames per second, you know, has a great processor, great memory, all this other stuff, you know, and have like a really awesome experience right there if you don't have the best internet. Um, so me personally, as I said just a couple of minutes ago, this is a significant purchase that makes me a PlayStation more centralized PlayStation fan realize why I have to have an Xbox because if games like Wolfenstein, Doom, Elder Scrolls, um, Dishonored, you know, all these games are going to be Fallout are all going to be on Xbox exclusive. Why not own an Xbox? Why not be a Game Pass member? Because all their exclusive are, are always free on game pass that's something that they have said continuously if it is a first party like if it's an xbox exclusive game that launches on our console and whatever else we're going to have it available on game pass day one so why wouldn't you do it you know what i'm saying so that's my problem is that i've seen a lot of people online just overreact about phil's comments and <clears throat> though Yes, you know, you, you we, we are left in a very dark space of we don't know what we're going to do. I will say, me personally, because I'm very excited for the PS5, if I had to choose what to play Elder Scrolls on or Fallout on, if I could choose my PlayStation 5, I would. But if I can't, of course I'm going to play it on Xbox because, like, it's fucking Elder Scrolls. Hello, it's, it's Fallout, it's Doom, it's Wolfenstein, you know, it's, it's all these huge IPs that are mega games. And then let's not forget about Starfield. You know, we've barely heard anything about that. We have no clue what that game is going to be about, but you know, it's coming from the fucking mind of Todd Howard. So it's obviously going to be a fantastic game. So I want to add these comments in here. Matt from Cinelinks. Had stated, I do agree that what Spencer said uh, with what Spencer had said. However, I believe it will be a far more gradual undertaking than it would be by putting games on PS5. That that said, with Game Pass, physical games, the digital games, and collector's editions will recoup their losses in due time. I agree with you, bud. Um, my boy, Chris Wiseman, aka Captain Redbeard. Had a little statement to say. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. 
In regards to the future Bethesda games, such as Elder Scrolls 6 being Xbox exclusives, ultimately time will just tell. I'm a big fan of current Xbox of the current Xbox ecosystem, and I think Game Pass is brilliant. When the time finally comes that we actually see Elder Scrolls 6, that could be anywhere from three to six years from now. Who's to say we're uh, where priorities in regards to exclusivities will be at that time? Ultimately, it comes down to motives. That that's really the question. Did Microsoft acquire Bethesda for the purchase of the console exclusivity, or was it to strengthen the appeal of Game Pass, to strengthen their family of Xbox Studios, or all of the above? <coughs> Excuse me. I personally think it's the latter. What it means beyond uh, what it means beyond that could be anyone anyone's guess. But while we're thinking of what the acquisition means in terms of what we know of the games industry up until now, folks like Phil Spencer are just trying to protect what this could be or project what this could be for Xbox and gamers in three to six years from now. That's really well said. I really appreciate your comment, Captain Redbeard. And I agree with you that Phil is just at this point in time, he's just looking into the future and that's what xbox did with this purchase they looked into the future and they said hey listen let's say you know elder scrolls is already deep in development and we're gonna have this on our console and ps5 and whatever else but you know elder scrolls 2 3 and 4 if i can believe right were all Xbox exclusives. You know what I'm saying? Even Oblivion was a timed exclusive. I, I think that was Elder Scrolls 4. So. But Oblivion was a timed exclusive. So everyone that's like really freaking out about this, just chill. Relax. Um, my boy Bolt says, making... Se making a 7.5 billion in the games industry world nowadays would be easy, but it would be easier if you uh, if you that certain product was more accessible to more people. So multi-platform would make sense for more profit, but also I would totally understand if they did not make it multi-platform. Dustin Murphy from Blastway Game Reviews said. Issue is, they are looking at Xbox as a much bigger platform, and he's partially hinging on Bethesda's move to Game Pass sales. Issue Spencer has, not everyone will have Xbox. Most PlayStation users will shrug at the loss, but some fans, like myself, are disgruntled by, the, um, by this statement. Spencer answered the question more or less how... It will, uh, how it was asked about exclusivity, which to say the least, seems like Xbox may be one of the only places to play the games unless you play it on PC. Well, Dustin, listen, I gotta say this, dude, like, we can't be disgruntled about it. You know, you, you, I think you have a gaming PC, um, you're a big PC player, uh, so you shouldn't be disgruntled. Um, you and me do play PS4, um, a lot. But, you know, I mean, I look at it like this. With this purchase, it's going to make these Bethesda games even better. 
That's the best way I can say it. Um, my friend Mark had stated, I think Microsoft in the long run will make Bethesda games a timed exclusive only because the fan base is diverse between both consoles. For a while, Xbox and PC were the best platforms to customize your games to your liking. PlayStation was only able to download like 34 megabytes at the most of customization DLC for Fallout 4 from what I remember. Even though I plan on purchasing both consoles, I strongly hope they don't exclude PlayStation. Okay, so I appreciate everybody commenting, uh, giving their opinion, and I hope you listen to this episode. So lastly, uh, before we end this episode, I want to talk about the PlayStation user interface that has been announced um, and was shown off um, was shown off and was kind of a shock to me because a lot of places out there were like, maybe this is a hint to the PlayStation UI. You know, and I, I'm thinking, you know, no, it's just going to be a little thing. They're going to show off the U. Uh, well, I always say UI, but they say UX features. Um, so I, I thought that they were just going to announce a, the Burger King contest, um, but I was wrong. And they showed off the PS5 UX features like Control Center activities, game help, and more. Okay, so first off. The, the control center. One of the biggest highlights of this video was the control center. So it states right here on the PlayStation blog, um, control center um, is a really cool aspect which provides immediate access to almost everything you need from the system at a single press of the PlayStation button on the DualSense wireless controller, all without leaving the game. We've also added new features called activities designed to bring you closer to the key elements of gameplay. Activities are displayed via an on-screen card on the control center, which enables you to discover new gameplay opportunities, go back to things that you've missed, jump directly into levels or challenges you want to play, and much more. Some activity cards can be put into a picture-on-picture -picture mode so you can actually view them without leaving your game. Navigating, navigating the interface, switching between games, and hopping into online matches occurs quickly as we rebuilt the entire software stack for, from the console to the network to bring you a truly next-gen experience. We believe the less time you have spending on interacting with the system, the more time you'll have playing games. We waited, we wanted to give you an early peek of the PS5 UX journey into this through this video walkthrough, so we hope you really enjoy the tour, blah, 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 blah. They also showed off the PlayStation Store. So the PlayStation Store is not a app that you have to click on and access and load. It is literally just a card. So you scroll over to the PlayStation Store and you scroll down and you're in the PlayStation Store. It's all right there. So in this image that they shared you can see ratchet and clank rift apart Sackboy, big adventure godfall nba 2k 21 fifa 21 playstation plus collection it's literally all right there um as well as not just that but they also showed off on the control panel some a couple of little things that i saw that they didn't talk about first there's a music button. So um, I'm thinking that they're going to have more than just Spotify accessible in the music um, segment, which would be really cool. 
Um, and you know, a lot of people will use more than just Spotify. So if they put Pandora or something like that on there, I don't know if Pandora is available by the way. So if it is, I'm sorry, <laughs> I usually just use Spotify, but they also had a little image. They have the home symbol and then next to it, there was a little, um, sack boy image, which was obviously for sack boy, big adventure, but under that image, it said switch. So I'm thinking that they're going to have a quick switch like the Xbox does to where you can literally just click it and it automatically switches to the other game that you have just waiting on you. So that's going to be really cool. And that's obviously an aspect that, that we're going to start seeing more often um, when it comes down to these new next generation consoles. Um, on the games and media perspective, when they went to the PlayStation store, they also showed off the, you know, cards to where, um, you know, they first in the gameplay, they showed a really cool perspective with creation. So we could talk about that just real quick. The, the share button is now called the create button, I think. And you can instantly take pictures. You, all your video and stuff can be captured at four, four K at 60 frames per second for shareability. Um, and depending on the platform that you link, the only one that they showed that was linked was Twitter. So I don't know if they're going to do uh, Instagram feature or if they're going to do anything with like, it would be really cool to me with it being as big as it is. If it doesn't get banned around November, if, if you had the ability of like linking your shared game play to TikTok or, you know, Snapchat or whatever else, um, I would think that they're going to add the ability of sharing your gameplay to YouTube as well. And I hope they have a dedicated Twitch app to where you can, you know, live stream through Twitch instead of just live through is live streaming through PlayStation. Um, because the new PlayStation camera does give you the option, even if you don't have a green screen, it gives you the option to remove your background behind you, um, which is going to be really cool. Uh, but the capture feature was really cool. But one thing that I really liked was picture in picture. So they were playing Sackboy. And as they were playing Sackboy, someone invited them to a party. So as you were playing the game, the party chat invite popped up on the screen. He was able to join it and it didn't take you out of the game at all. Another thing is uh, someone wanted to share their gameplay with, with him while he was playing the game. So he clicked on it. So in my mindset, this is how I look at this. If I'm playing, let's say I'm playing Demon Souls and Bolts is playing Demon Souls or TJ's playing Demon Souls as well. And they're like, listen, bro, I noticed that you already have beat this level. So can you at least show me where I go to beat this level or where I go to to get further along? They share their gameplay with me. I put it into picture in picture mode while I'm playing my game. And while I'm playing my game and I'm in a party chat with them and I'm watching their gameplay, I can actually tell them where to go and all that shit directly from me playing my PS5 games. How amazing is that? How great of a feature is that? That like I can literally continue to play my game. They can share their gameplay with me. So I can show them where to go. And what to do while I'm playing my game. Without taking myself out of the experience. That I'm already experiencing. That's such a cool feature. Um, and I, I think for the most part, I've kind of highlighted what I really liked. I liked the smoothness. I liked the rounded edges of the card. I liked how futuristic next generation it looked.
Um, even the startup screen when, you know, you just turn on your console and there's these gold flakes, gold sparkles kind of going in the background. And um, PlayStation has always done really good on their user interface for the most part. I think the PS3, when it launched, it definitely had had some work. But as they went along and they entered, you know, they added, you know, you know, dynamic themes and all this other stuff is really cool. I saw a lot of people after the announcement, they were like, well, the way that everything's set up, they're not going to have dynamic themes. All we saw was, <clears throat> excuse me. All we saw was the control panel. We didn't see the lower end. And someone did point out in the bottom right-hand corner, there was the a little button card thing that said customization. So I'm pretty sure they're going to have dynamic themes. And I think that these dynamic themes are probably going to be more interactive and more crazy than what we've ever seen before. So um, I only had one person comment on the on the PlayStation user interface. It was Mark. He says, as for the PS5 UI, I like how it looks more organized in, cert in, in a certain way. The activity section for the game... Um, for the games so you can earn points and trophies is a nice touch and having a specific section for games on your system is also nice instead of having to just uh, of them just piling up into one big bar across the screen it looks very sleek and something that will be very fun to explore when it comes out I agree with you Mark very much so and I have to say I am very excited as well I think that this is going to be a fantastic console, as will the PlayStation, well, PlayStation 5, as will the Xbox Series X. I think it all just depends on what you like, you know what I'm saying? And what you what your feel for gaming is all about, because I think the DualSense is going to be one of the best controllers on the market to play with. No questions asked. I think the new Xbox is going to be great. If you're about Xbox controllers, play it. Hopefully, maybe there's going to be some way I could connect my PS5 controller to my Xbox. And I'll get a better experience out of it. I don't know. I just, I'm, I've never really liked the Xbox controller. But anyways, guys, this has been episode 305 of the Second Opinion Podcast. The solo cast of Celeb. I'm lonely, and I've been on a rant for the past hour, but I hope you guys enjoyed. If you do get a chance, download Ghost of Tsushima. It's only $39 right now, and you get a free update, and you can play it online with your friends. Best game on PS4. Love you guys. Talk to you on episode 306. Check us out at Cinelinks.com. Peace out.